0: For six years, Rosita Cage Toaster lay in an unmarked grave. Her mother, Rosita Cage Toaster, says the 28-year-old, who worked as a medical assistant, was just living her life when she went out with friends one late night and never came back. Though police now say her daughter died of suspected drowning, Rosita Cage Toaster isn't so sure. Too much, in her daughter's case, went amiss. She didn't have to be buried alone and unknown. She was found by police, and she could have been identified, her family says, at least by her very distinctive large rose tattoo.
1: The most descriptive tattoo was my nickname and my husband's nickname, which is her father. It's a big, beautiful red rose with blue and roe on it. It just wasn't a a. Regular tattoo with a name or something on it. It was a big, beautiful red rose that just burst out of your face.
0: So, how could a missing woman remain missing even after being found? This is Michigan Crime Stories. Michigan Crime Stories is a podcast that explores murder, mysteries, and mayhem in the Mitten State.
1: Criminal behavior
2: has always enthralled us. It's when societies determine what is and isn't allowed.
0: We assume heinous crimes are committed by monsters, individuals we dehumanize in an effort to make sense of their deeds.
2: Their victims sometimes seem distant, just faded names in a passing headline.
0: But the terrifying truth is that crimes are committed by ordinary people just like you and me.
2: And many of those crimes happen right in our own backyard.
0: My name is Darcy Moran.
2: And this is John Counts.
0: We're reporters for MLive.com and your hosts for Michigan Crime Stories. This is the story of Cressida Cage Toaster and the missing rose tattoo, as told by MLive reporter Gus Burns.
1: Kept calling in. I didn't get a call. I didn't get an answer. Well, police came to my door about 7.30 A.M. and asked me was Chrissita here. I said no. I've been calling her. And then I asked them why. They said because her ID that was in her purse led them back to our home. The Impala was found on the bridge with all her belongings in it, like her purse and cell phone. And that's when all of this started.
2: The investigation into the disappearance of Chrissita Cage Toaster a 28-year-old woman who vanished in Detroit in October of 2009, has left her parents with more questions than answers. The young woman's abandoned car, cell phone, purse, and ID were found on Belle Isle, an island park east of Detroit, on October 26, 2009. After reporting their daughter missing that same day, providing a distinct description of her, including of her one-of-a-kind tattoo, and repeatedly going to Detroit police asking for updates, Chrysita Cage Toaster's mother, Rosita Cage Toaster, says they got nowhere.
1: Up until September 29, 2017, that's when we discovered not only that she was deceased, but she had been buried since 2011.
2: Chrysita Cage Toaster's body was pulled from the river near Delray, a southwest Detroit neighborhood, about 10 miles from where she disappeared on Belle Isle in March of 2010, just six months after Chrysita Cage Toaster went missing.
1: If you do not claim a body within a year, Detroit will bury it.
2: Rosita Cage Toaster was buried in an unmarked grave at Knollwood Cemetery in Canton, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. So why did this missing person case take so long to solve? When the parents were actively searching and had provided a thorough description of their daughter to police, Detroit police told Rosita Cage Toaster and her husband, Johnny Toaster, that the mix-up that led to the delay in identifying their daughter stemmed from her being listed as the incorrect race in both police reports and coroner records. While she was a black woman, the unidentified body was described as being that of a Caucasian or Hispanic woman.
1: And a detective, Shannon Jones, told me she had the case three years prior to discovering that this was my daughter. And she had that rose tattoo up on her board.
2: Detroit police have ignored multiple requests from MLive to comment on this case, Police Lieutenant Kenneth Gardner, who oversees the missing persons unit, did, however, make a statement to WXYZ-TV, Channel 7 News. He said, quote, Her body had been in the river all of that time, so, you know, the complexion and things of that nature undergo a change. It's kind of hard to elaborate on that. When asked by the reporter why the distinct tattoo wasn't enough to link the body to the missing person, Gardner said, during that time and period in Detroit history, I cannot really account for what may or may not have happened, but what I can say is that the team that we have in place today, they were able to make a turnaround in 24 hours in being able to connect the dots. Rosita Cage Toaster and Johnny Toaster say it took Detroit police a lot longer than 24 hours to connect the dots. Through a Freedom of Information Act request, Live obtained Rosita Cage Toaster's original autopsy at the time she was known as Jane Doe, number ten-three-zero-four-seven. The summary and opinion, written at the time her body was discovered, says, Unknown person died of drowning. According to investigation, the decedent was found submerged and was recovered by the U.S. Coast Guard. The exact circumstances surrounding the drowning are unclear. Therefore, the manner of death is indeterminate. It was signed March 31, 2010. The postmortem report proceeds to note that the Jane Doe was wearing a purple bra, thermal shirt, blue jeans, a belt, bathing suit bottoms, socks, and tennis shoes. Rosita Cage Toaster says her daughter was not wearing a bathing suit, but actually bikini-style underwear. The report notes two tattoos, including the rose tattoo with her parents' nicknames, and another with a dollar sign and the name Curtis. There is no mention in the report of fluid being found in Cressida's lungs. There is a notation of multiple particles of well-digested green food in her stomach, and it says all the muscles and axial skeleton are free of any significant abnormalities. The report doesn't note any visible trauma to the body. Nor does it reference ethnicity or give a specific age. The only mention of age is a sentence that says, the body was that of a well-developed female appearing about the recorded age of years. While medical examiner's office representatives declined to be interviewed for this podcast, spokeswoman Lisa Croft issued this statement. The body had been in the water for six months and arrived at the medical examiner's office badly decomposed. The Detroit police report received by the medical examiner stated that she could be Caucasian or, possibly, Hispanic. When the medical examiner received the body, the appearance of the body did not cause them to question the race. Rosita Cage Toaster says his information she entered into a national, publicly accessible, missing persons and unidentified remains database, called NAMIS, an acronym that stands for the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, that actually broke the case. Michigan State Police Detective Sergeant Sarah Krebs, who heads the state's Missing Persons Coordination Unit, is likely the biggest supporter of the NamUs database in Michigan, if not the nation. The database allows anyone to enter their loved one's missing person information, or look through unidentified remains to see if they can find a possible match. The descriptions in the database contain physical characteristics, such as eye and hair color, approximate age, weight, height, and sometimes they even include photos of the remains, or tattoos. The problem has been neither police nor the medical examiner were required to enter information into the database. When they do enter the information, Krebs says it's an invaluable tool for solving missing person cases, and that's why she took action. Krebs helped write House Bill 4633, which requires law enforcement to enter missing and unidentified cases into the NamUs database immediately after they receive them. Here is Krebs presenting the bill before the House Committee on Law and Justice on February 13th. She presented multiple missing person cases that were unnecessarily prolonged because officials failed to use all of the tools at their avail. This case, from Detroit, bears striking similarities to that of the Christina Cage toaster investigation.
3: Although the mother recollects the exact precinct that she petitioned to making the missing persons report upon checking NCIC, No such record existed. Bina Emery had gone missing February 23rd of 1988 in the city of Detroit. Because of an earlier project in 2013 using burial plot information from various cemeteries across Wayne and Monroe counties, MSP added some 200-plus undocumented unidentified remains cases found into the archives of the NamUs database. When the Emory case was re-reported to law enforcement at that event in 2014, an immediate association was found between Emory and a 1988 Jane Doe case, only described in the system as a juvenile black female. She was found July 2nd of 1988 in the Detroit River. Sadly, no dental records, fingerprints, or DNA were taken from that body at the time. With the help of the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, the 1988 Jane Doe was exhumed from a cemetery in Plymouth, Michigan, where it had been buried for 27 years. And in March of 2015, a positive identification was concluded. Even though the missing juvenile was reported in the same city that the body was found, with the same demographics, neither case made it into any database that could have associated the two. This made the mother wait 30 years to find her daughter.
1: Well, this wouldn't cost any more money.
3: This would only cost law enforcement the time of doing an online entry into a database.
2: The new law passed in the State House on March 1st and in the State Senate on March 22nd and was awaiting Governor Rick Snyder's signature to take effect. While the parents of Cresita Cage-Toaster can take some solace in knowing that improvements are on the way, in part because of the pain they and other parents of missing people have endured, they are still frustrated with many other aspects of their daughter's case beyond the length of time it took to ID her. The parents now know what happened to their daughter's body, but still don't know what caused her death.
1: I feel my daughter was murdered. The reason I say that is because Chris was a fighter. She would carry like a shoe in the back of her in her vehicle, a, a high-heeled shoe. Someone come after her, you're going to get it with that shoe. And everybody know that. Everybody always say Chris was such a fighter.
2: Even if Chrissie Cage Toaster was killed, there's little likelihood her case will ever be
1: solved. You didn't do an autopsy, or for a full, complete autopsy. How you know it couldn't have been strangulation? How you know it couldn't have been any of that? Uh, it says undetermined. I mean, I have learned so much from this case. I'm not, I'm not afraid of these people. I, you know what? I'm just, you know, Gus. This, this is a lot. You know what I mean? To, to know that your child was buried. You know, for all these years. I thank God that I do know, but the way it was handled. My daughter is worth way more than a million, trillion dollars. She worth bills getting paid. She worth change.
0: Okay, well, I'm Darcy Moran with Michigan Crime Stories, sitting here with my co-host John Counts and Gus Burns, who reported this story. Hey, Gus. Um, just to start out, for me, what made this story kind of intriguing is, is hearing her mom talk about um, that she was just a normal young person living her life and there was no indication that she would go missing or the circumstances. What, for you, was the most intriguing part of this story or what caught your attention when you first came across this?
2: Um, I think it's some of the issues that existed, and it just seems like it's a shame that someone who could be identified rather quickly and therefore their parents find some resolution, end up being buried as Jane Doe's and takes years to figure out who they are. So what needs to happen in the system to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Some of it's already happening. Uh, as, as I talked about, Sarah Krebs has been pushing for legislation that would require police to enter information into what is called the NamUs database, which is a public database that anyone can access. And they would be required to enter unidentified remains and missing people. So then any, any person who has a family member who's missing can go through. And, in, for instance, in this case, the family could have gone through the unidentified remains section of that database, and it has descriptions of tattoos and things like that, and they would have noticed that these unidentified remains match their daughter. And likewise, police and medical examiners could do the same.
0: So it sounds like that was kind of a, that is one of the goals that the family had, is to get some resolution where this doesn't happen again to someone else's family. Um, have you spoken with the, the family at all about the, the changes in the legislature, what, what they're looking at here?
2: Um, I mentioned to them that it, was, that it was being worked on, and they're happy to see that there are some improvements, but they think it's far from what needs to be done. Um, I don't have exact changes that they're looking for, but they feel like this is just something that's kind of glazing over the problem rather than solving possibly deep, deeper cultural issues within some of those agencies that they've dealt with.
0: Well, thank you so much, Gus, for, for your work reporting this story and uh, for your time here. Um, this is Michigan Crime Stories. Thank you for listening. As an update, since recording this story, House Bill 4633 was signed into law. Michigan Crime Stories is about telling the hidden, unknown, important, or odd stories in the state of Michigan. If you know a story that might fit the ticket or something you'd like to know more about, feel free to email me at d.moran@mlive.com. mlive.com. That's d-m-o-r-a-n at mlive.com. I'm Darcy Moran, and this has been Michigan Crime Stories. Stay tuned for more of murder, mysteries, and mayhem in the mitten.